The web's Michael Smith. It is episode 112 of the Canes cast. And you know what? What's that? I'm feeling kind of milestone-ish. Milestone-ish. I want that to be a thing. Can I make that a thing? I think Rod Brindamore might have made it a thing last night. Uh, for people who do not know, the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, when informed that his team had, for the first time, in 200 road trips with the opportunity... Regular season. In the regular season to win three consecutive games on the road because, of course, the Canes did that last year in the postseason, winning Game 7 in Washington and then the first two in Brooklyn against the New York Islanders. But the first time in the regular season that this ever happened, um, he said, it doesn't really feel milestone-ish. And I agree <laughs> with that, but it's a great word. And I always like when things like that happen, and we were part of that. We were there. Milestone-ish. A six-point road trip. Six out of a possible six points. Did the math correctly that time. Yes, you did. <laughs> Thankfully. Take that. Had some time to, to soak that in. But Calculators. It, it's funny because we're on that road trip, Michael, and, and the day before the game, we have practice for the Carolina Hurricanes. Michael Smith and I are there. You talk to Rod Brindamore. And you ask him about, you know, you, you've won three games in a row right now, but you often say, as when we talk to the coach, you know, sometimes the results, you don't get what you should or you play a little bit better, but it's a results-oriented business. Rod Brindamore went out of his way to say that he thought that the team actually played better in some of the losses than what they did in at the time. Uh, it was a three-game winning streak for the Canes. They are now on a four-game winning streak, but right. then better than what they did against Ottawa and then – Buffalo, and then in Minnesota. However, yeah. that Ottawa game, they were very good. I think he was talking more about the two road games that they had just won in overtime. Yeah, he said, and I quote, we dissect the crap out of it. Yes, he did say Very that. exquisite quote. <laughs> we're, he was great on the road with the he, quotes. He this, was, this especially in Chicago. Um, but yeah. Well, we I, had plenty of time to talk to him in Chicago. Plenty of time. I think... Uh, I think you know what he's what he's really drilling down to is is the process of the whole thing, and um, when he looks back at uh, you know that game in Minnesota, for instance, or even even maybe the game in Buffalo, he didn't feel like the Hurricanes had their best. They they certainly didn't have their best in Minnesota, but they found a way to win, and that ultimately is what's important. You want to be uh, solid in your processes. You want to play the right way, as he says. But ultimately, you want wins. So at the end of the day, if they play well and don't get a victory, you can take that and maybe take it for what it's worth. But at the end of the day, you don't have the two points. Yeah. And that's what's most important. So I think uh, what you saw last night, uh, and last night being Tuesday night, this is Wednesday, by the way, not your usual Monday, uh, but we wanted to be able to, to get back to Raleigh and, and fully recap this road trip. But what you saw on Tuesday night in Chicago was... I think uh, the perfect marriage of playing the right way and also getting the result for, for really almost the entire game, the hurricanes were, were pretty dominant. Um, and we can dive deeper into the game in a, in a few seconds, but, but that was, I think uh, uh, really the, the perfect marriage of, of what exactly Rod Brennamore wanted to see a stout defensive effort. Uh, you get some, uh, you get rewarded with some goals. Yep. You limit the opponent's chances, at least, you know, up until the third period, you get some, some key saves from your goaltender when you need it. Uh, your penalty kill is good. And then you walk away with the two points and the hurricanes uh, bringing home six out of a possible six points, a very successful road trip uh, and an important road trip, too, for the Hurricanes, you know, coming off of that four-game losing streak, uh, snapping it in a, in a huge way with, a, with an 8-2 win over Ottawa uh, here in this building last week. But then the question of, okay, well, what can they do now? So they lost four, and now they've won four, and now it's going to be a question of where can they take this from here and how can they avoid, you know, these, these real streaks of, you know, win three, lose three, win four, you know, whatever like that, because... Uh, that ultimately doesn't get you very far, but the Hurricanes in uh, a great position as we uh, record this podcast on Wednesday. I believe they're third in the Metropolitan yep. Division, yes, with uh, 27 points. The Islanders haven't lost in regulation in about five years, I think. Yeah, it feels like that. It was, it was the last time uh, when they were here on October 11th, I believe it was. 14-0-1 in their last 15 it's incredible. games. And, and Rod Brindamore even talked about that last night about the Metro division, which is you have to keep winning 
because nobody in the division loses right now. Right. And they, they really don't. The Metro against the rest of the NHL is just cleaning house. Yeah. I mean, they are by far and away the best division in hockey when it comes to playing the others. And then you're going to get to that point where everybody just starts beating up on each other once the the season starts getting a little bit tighter, once we get into January, and then that push when you really start to see your division a little bit more, you notice those games a little bit more. But you hit on something, and I want to go the the broader picture about, you know, how do you make the playoffs? What's uh, the definition of a playoff team? And I know it's super early to say that, but if you just heard Michael say it, he's right. You can't do, I call it the cha-cha. Yeah. You can't win three, then lose three. You can't even do the, we're going to win two, lose one, win one, lose two. You have to win four in a row. If you lose, it can't be more than two in a row. And then go back and get two, three wins in a row and then start getting points. Like if you lose, you got to get points if that's what it comes down to. So what the Canes are on right now, they have to keep this rolling because of that four-game slide. And you've got to get to this point where, one loss doesn't knock you from third to sixth. In the way the Metro is, I'm not exaggerating, that's going to happen. And that's going to happen a lot, probably until December, that two, three points, if you don't get points in two, three games, you're going to go from a playoff position, you know, a, a comfortable top three, to you're going to be in that chaser role that nobody wants to be in right now. So that's a big part of it. But the team game, overall, what have you noticed about the team game that – was super encouraging the other night in Chicago. For me, it was how connected they were defensively, offensively, but in the middle of the ice. And I know that people, it can be a cliche or a coaching term, but the five guys on the ice, not including the goalie, have to be connected. And that means you need to know if the puck's here and somebody goes after it, I've got to take his spot or he'll take my spot. I can make this play and go from there offensively and defensively. And the Canes are that great in Chicago. Didn't do that so great in Buffalo. And then there were times that second period in Minnesota, they really came off of their team game, and it seemed like everybody was doing their own thing. But luckily, there's a 19-year-old who is just on another planet right now playing hockey and Andrei Svechnikov to help him out. Yeah, yeah. I I thought, uh, and, and Rod Brindamore said it last night, that the Hurricanes' first two periods – uh, in Chicago were about as good as you can play our first two periods, uh, especially on the road. Um, you know, they went into United Center and uh, completely dominated the Blackhawks in that first period. Uh, and, and luckily they were able to get a goal to, to uh, you know, have something to reflect just how good they were in that first period. They limited the Blackhawks to just four shots uh, in the first period. Then in the second period, they limit them to, to eight shots. So they the Blackhawks only managed 12 on Peter Mrazek through two periods. And this is a team that had points in five straight and had won four straight coming into that game. Uh, and in that time, they had outscored opponents 21 to 10. They hung seven on the, uh, the Predators a couple nights before. So they were rolling. They were clicking offensively. They were finally finding the back of the net, something they struggled with early in the season. And the Hurricanes just completely were able to to quell any sort of offensive uh you know threats that that they might have uh, come up with they weren't able to to really get through the neutral zone a lot and that's where that's really the backbone of this hurricanes game is is that strong stout defensive effort that then leads to the offense at the other end and so for you know the hurricanes to to come up with that goal on the two on oh rush nino niederreiter martin h us the yeah. little give and go and robin Leonard almost made an amazing save. He got a piece of it, I think, with the left arm, uh, and the puck, you know, found its way in. So for the Hurricanes to take that one nothing lead to the locker room after one period, yep. I think was was very important, just from a, a psychological level of okay, you know, we're we're playing this game that we know is going to be successful, and now we have something to show for it. I think it would have been not totally demoralizing, but kind of discouraging had they not been able to find a way past Robin Leonard in the first period. Yeah, uh, I, I think that you could definitely have made that case of, oh no, do we see the what happened against Henrik Lundqvist thing set in? But the Canes were so dominant in that, and the fact, Michael, that they didn't give up a goal, I wasn't even looking at the period the way that it, it went. Yeah. Unless it's Chicago pops one in late and you go right. in the locker room down one nothing. But if that was a nothing nothing game, the way the Canes were playing, as long as they stayed with it, we were going to see the second period out of the team that we saw. And even the third period wasn't as bad 
as the if you look at the box score and say, oh, the Canes gave up two and they had to hang on for dear life. Yeah. They did from about, what, the 12-minute mark on. It was a 70-second span that the Blackhawks get the first goal on a, a great play by Patrick Kane and Eric uh, Gustafson takes advantage. And then uh, and then Connor Murphy, a shot that you ask Peter Morazic and he's going to say he wants that back because he gets a full piece of it with his glove arm uh, and the puck just sort of squibs into the net. That 70 seconds was really the only blip that the Hurricanes had in the game. Before that, in the third period, the Hurricanes had... Well, they were taking the the fight right to Chicago to yeah. try to make it a 4 nothing game. In fact, Andrei Svechnikov has a great opportunity to make it 4 nothing, and Robin Leonard makes an incredible save right. to keep it at 3 nothing. And then Patrick Kane makes an unbelievable play. And, uh, you know, people have a lot of opinions on Patrick Kane, but there's one thing that he truly is... And that is he is a dynamic hockey player. And when he is on and creating plays, he does things that a handful of guys in the league can do. And maybe it's even less than that. Michael, he makes a play where he's going full speed, stops, and throws a cross-ice pass, almost sauces it right onto the tape. I can't think of too many guys in the league who can do that in a game at full speed, knowing that they're going to be marked when that's going on. And he still finds a way to get separation. So that play happens, and you're absolutely on the money. That goal comes in, then 70 seconds later, it's a goal that Peter Mrazek will tell everybody that he has got to stop because yeah. he got a piece of it. It's not a great goal. But then the Canes found a way to dig in, bear down. And they had to kill off a penalty. Which And, and Peter Mrazek made uh, a great toe save on an opportunity from Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane sort of worked his way through the defense and had not, I don't think, the greatest look. But if Peter Mrazek doesn't extend that right pad all the way to the post maybe Kane finds a way to tuck that puck in. So yeah, credit too to, to Mrazek for really shaking off that, that goal that he gave up to Connor Murphy uh, and coming up with a huge last five minutes uh, to ensure that the Hurricanes got the victory. Yeah, and that penalty, I don't know. That was kind of they, – they called interference on Brett Pesci. Yeah. And I'm – Right before the media timeout. Too. If, you, if you go back and look in the angle that we had on Fox Sports Carolina's that's one for at that point in the game, and it's not it's not home cooking. I just don't think that you make that call because the puck's there, and Brett Pesci is getting there when the puck's there to try to do his job, make sure that the attacking player doesn't get to it. But right. you know, Canes killed it off, and then they got yeah. the win. Yeah, and that's uh, you know, good for the Canes for you know finding that mental fortitude to to really just shake off. Uh, you know what what had happened in seventy seconds because it's it, it could easily be uh, so discouraging, so demoralizing to have uh, fifty minutes of a hockey game yeah. of a really really good hockey game flushed down the toilet in that short of a span. Um, and the Hurricanes, you know, even looking back to that Buffalo game where they had uh, two leads in the third period that they saw disappear, you know, maybe those thoughts creep into the back of their minds, but they were able to, uh, you know, shut it down and, and deny the Hawks. And the Hawks were buzzing after that. The Hawks were buzzing, and the, the crowd at United Center was behind them. Um, and uh, they had some chances, uh, both uh, at even strength and on the power play. Uh, and then the Hurricanes were able to, to hold them off long enough until Sebastian Naho was able to find the empty net and, and seal the victory. So uh, all in all, uh, probably one of the best games the Hurricanes have played as of late and, and, and gotten the win with it. Um, because you look at, again, some of those losses in that that stretch of uh, four consecutive losses, you can say, okay, the Hurricanes uh, played a played a pretty good game, just came up short. Obviously, the the game against the Rangers was really that one we're talking about there. But to get uh, the victory and, and play as well as they did uh, on Tuesday night in Chicago was really an, an exclamation point on such a successful trip. Yeah, and the other, the other side of it, we know how, and I've already referenced Andrei Svechnikov, but we know how this is a team that really does need contributions from everybody. Well, don't look now. Nino Niederreiter starting to get points. Joel Edmondson is on a point streak right now for the Canes where I don't think anybody was expecting Joel Edmondson on the blue line to be that kind of offensive contributor. By the way, RIP to one of his hockey sticks. Yeah. Uh, that also shows you what this team uh, is. <laughs> Winning's fun, but this team has fun off of the ice. What this team is doing as far as coming together right now, 20, 21 games into the season. But to get a guy like Nino Niederreiter, 
going. Yeah. Uh, when you've got Andre Svechnikov going, when Dougie Hamilton's going right now, it, Nino's quite capable of going four or five games in a row of being that kind of dynamic offensive player. Oh, yeah. And they might need it with Eric Eric Halla out for the foreseeable future that we heard from the head coach. And uh, we'd love to tell you everything's all great uh, on the Canes front, but injuries do happen, and this seems to be a residual from Eric Halla, who had a devastating knee injury a, a year ago. He's back. We've seen when he's on the ice. He's very good, but now he's having, without saying it's issues related to that, it seems like there's things that are just, you know, cropping up as far as the the management of yeah. of that injury as this season's moving along. I think it's, you know, general discomfort and soreness and, you know, him and the Hurricanes too, tr- uh, figuring out how to best manage that discomfort and soreness that he's experiencing because it was such a um i i think you you put it best such a devastating knee injury that he had to basically get it you know surgically repaired completely yeah and so now um even though he missed what 11 months of hockey you know that's a that's a long period of of rehab a long period without playing a game you're not really sure how that knee is going to respond to the rigors of the NHL schedule and i think you know, maybe there are a, a few question marks as to as to how it's responding early. But the good news is that there's no structural issue with the knee. It's from a structural standpoint, it's it's totally fine. Um, he said he's he's just had a little tendonitis there, and it's it's just about figuring out how best to manage that. So no real timetable yeah. on on how long he's going to be out. But uh, for now, the Hurricanes will be without the services of Eric Halla. But you know, on the flip side of that, the good news is that. Andrei Svechnikov is scoring. Sebastian Ajo is scoring. Uh, Dougie Hamilton continues to just find the back of the net really every opportunity he gets. And he, too, a uh, little scare last night yeah. uh, in Chicago, took a, a Calvin DeHaan shot off the right leg, it looked like, and favored it for a bit, but toughed his way through the game and seemed to be okay yeah. at least. While the players are padded and have some protection, there are some spots where in the equipment, if it gets through, it's going to sting, it's going to hurt. And uh, Dougie Hamilton was in some pain on the bench. You could see it. He went into the the locker room, yeah, and he came back out and he played, and he appeared to be truly no worse for wear uh, from what we saw for the yeah. rest of the night and coming back here. Uh, also, somebody else who the Canes have gotten back while Eric Halla goes out, Jordan Martinuk is not going to be a guy who you look at and say is going to get eight goals on the power play. But his contributions to this team are huge. Some of them are immeasurable because they are in the intangible department of bringing energy, yeah. bringing guys up, excitement to play, guts, grit, whatever you want to call it. He brings that to the ice. And I don't want to say that was missing, but when the Canes went on that that little bit of a slide, that was missing at times, not because the, the Canes don't have a ton of it. And we're not, I don't think we're talking out of school when we say that. And, no. you know, the head coach has even said that's what he brings to the, to the party. Well, he also gets on the ice and gets an assist in his first game back against yeah. Minnesota. And he is – In the first period, too. Yeah, he is just going to be one of these guys who he's going to make the penalty kill better. He's going to make the third and fourth lines better depending on where they want to use him and, and where he slots up, dep- you know, depending on – the arrangement that night by the coaching staff. But you get Jordan Martinuk back in the lineup, you're not going to see a difference as far as goals for, I think, for the Canes, but he can contribute. We saw it last year. He can score goals. But they become an overall better team because they're a deeper team, adding him back into the mix. Yeah, speaking of energy. Oh, look at you. That's a good one. That had some uh, depth to it. It did. I was uh, very impressed, my friend. We got back uh, late last night. Yeah, we did. This morning, actually, after 2 o'clock. And this, by the way, is uh, room temperature, so I'm not, I'm not really sure how it's going to be. Got to go fast. Got to go fast. Okay, I've had worse. Yeah. That's not bad. It's hot in here. I am sweating. Yeah, rarely is my office ever warmer than any other part of the building. <laughs> it's, a, it's a furnace right now. Normally in August and July, because there's no air conditioning in my office, uh, it gets to very sauna-esque temperatures, but never in November. But also, they are loading in the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So at some point, you might hear <laughs> some tasty licks. <laughs> <laughs> some musical stylings. It's going to be some tasty licks. It's going to be some 
hot shredding on the guitar. Hi. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. It's a new, oh, hopefully it's not that. <laughs> it's a new drop. Yeah. I actually meant to do this one. Jean. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> musical Jean. That one fit the, uh, Thank you. the moment more. The, the other one is don't be surprised if TSO drops by and says. Hi. Yeah. We're, we're stealing that from another podcast, too, yeah. by the way. Jay and Dan. They're Those Canadian. They have to accept it. Yeah. <laughs> They're good guys. Thank you. We've made scrum lurkers enough for them that they can oh, And apparently I might be on the next one. Oh. Last night, I thought I was out of frame. You are never out of frame never on these out of things. Frame. Never. Jones. You understand that? <laughs> yeah, so hopefully. I'll take Michael Smith in, in the TV shot for 200. Oh, there's a doggo on stage right now. Really? Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we finish this podcast before they start soundcheck. So, um, for those tasty licks start coming <laughs> exactly. through. Um, but yeah, j- getting Jordan Martinook back uh, in Minnesota, yeah. I thought was a huge boost. I I would go so far even to say that that his return to the lineup helped spark the team in that first period. Um, they scored a couple of quick goals to to take that two nothing lead, which you saw was important because the Wild uh, came storming back there in the second. But yeah, I think I think the energy that he brings and and before the game he was you know in the in the two touch soccer circle he was losing his mind and and screaming at everybody in the locker. You know we're sitting in the in the TV studio before the team takes the ice for warm ups. There's, you know, electronic music just blaring uh, from the from the locker room. Jones. And and you can just hear Jordan Martinuk just screaming his his brains out at yeah. everybody and and hyping them up and, and, and getting them ready for the game. And I truly think in an, in an afternoon game like that where you're not really sure what your team's going to respond need, like. You need that jolt of adrenaline and Correct. he gave it. Yeah. Uh, especially... You know, in the first period, then in the second period that the SAG came, but then the Canes come back and it win, came, in, all right. win in overtime. Uh, speaking of, Jordan Martinuk was the first intermission interview in that game. Yes. And had lost his voice yeah. a little bit. Right, which just underscores how much yelling he had been doing. <laughs> but can I take a moment and talk about what makes this team, when they're rolling, special? There's a good bond between... This group of guys, and it started last year. And look, years are different, especially when you get different players. And the Canes have six different players on the roster from last season, when last we saw them against the Boston Bruins. When we're talking about the the full complement of players, yeah, uh, not including E2 Listerinen right now, but including Marty Nachos, who wasn't really part of the full season last year. Right. Then you bring in Jake Gardner. You bring in James Reimer, you bring in Joel Edmondson, you bring in Ryan Dezingle, you bring in Eric Halla, Marty Nachos. That's six players. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's basically 20% of your roster, which I think we've covered before, but this team's coming together. So, and uh, I know that you were concerned that TSO might be talking. Well, they're just, they're moving the stage. Yeah, we got time. Things are happening. Again, they're part of the, the show right now. Jean. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's appropriate, but I'm going to keep letting you play. It, it. is. <laughs> Thank you. I don't, I don't know how else to fit it into the show. So whenever but, we talk about music, we, we just oh, have to oh, have to use it. Music is a genre. And there's several of them yes. in music. But to the, the point I'm trying to throw out here about the, the chemistry of what it's coming together, the, uh, the first two post-game interviews on the road mm-hmm. where – Dougie Hamilton scores the overtime winner in Buffalo, and Andrei Svechnikov comes in. Mm. And that actually started last year, believe it or not, in yes. Buffalo when Tavo Teravainen yes. was the the hero. And Dougie and Andre both came into that post game. Uh, then I also got dragged into Dougie Hamilton's post game interview in Buffalo. Then in Minnesota, Andrei Svechnikov is doing his interview. Dougie Hamilton wanted to hear it, and Andre invited him in to say hi. And he did with a banana, with a, ba- a banana which, phone, which this is, I, I don't often get where people will focus on one thing, but did you get a lot of people asking where'd the banana come from? How did he have one so quickly? No. Oh, I got a lot of that. Oh. <laughs> uh, because after the games, the players have a, a bit of a post game spread of food. Fritz. And there's lots of fruits. Lots of fruits. Some vegetables. <laughs> Are you saying frites? Fritz. Fruit. 
Ruth. Okay. <laughs> it's from, it's a, this is 40 reference. Okay. <laughs> when they're at the doctor and he's telling them what he can eat. Fritz. Okay. Well, they have bananas in the locker room because I told you this one was going to be a zany one. We, we're getting there. <laughs> I was I was almost going to reference Beverly Hills Cop about what the buffet plate costs and what comes with it: peaches, plums, apples, and bananas. Mm. So, and you're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. No, which is also in Beverly Hills Cop. I need to thank uh, the my spouse. Thank you. And. Um, who actually picked up on that reference and put the you're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe on thank Twitter. You. Thank you. Yeah. She's good. That was in Buffalo. Yes. Where the post came. No, no. Minnesota was oh, where Minnesota. the Minnesota yeah, yeah, was yeah. where the banana used as a headset Because in Buffalo, they're wings. Yes. There's also fruits. Yes. Like bananas, but. Well, let's stop right now. Although we're talking about healthy food. Oh, yeah. Like. Like uh, Fritz. Thank you. So Bill Berniston's still listening right now, but Bill Berniston will be leaving this podcast. He'll be checking out. Probably in about 15, 20 minutes. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. So you get that now, not going to get that later. Yeah, because we've got to get to that question that we uh, skipped over last week. We're going to circle back. We've skipped over it for like two weeks now. That's true. But we're going to get to it this week. That's a tease for later. For sure. Um, You mentioned... We covered Jordan Martinook. Uh, you you mentioned Joel Edmondson yes. and his point streak. He's got a four-game point streak now, which is a career best for him. He's not one to – to he's not brought in for his offense. He, he's brought in to be steady Eddie, to and be steady that. in the defensive zone. Um, his parents are two of the nicest people I've ever met. Oh, it's good. Met him on the road trip. He, uh, he's shown a bit of uh, toughness, team toughness, mixing it up, not afraid to, to stir the pot a little bit if, if – uh, you know, someone takes a cheap shot like uh, uh, Eric Holla got yeah. hit and, and Joel Edmondson dropped the gloves. In Anaheim, yeah. that's I was trying to think of where I was. was. I was watching that via my phone. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Darker times. Yes. Yeah. Much better times now. Um, but now, you know, after not contributing on the score sheet for 17 games, now all of a sudden Joel Edmondson is a point machine. Uh, he scored his second goal of the season in Minnesota, the first goal of the game, uh, just a hammer of a, a clapper from the point. Uh, and he's he's factoring in on the score sheet with assists too. And you mentioned, you know, his stick broke. Uh, and that's what we found out after the game in Minnesota. The secret to his point streak was him switching from CCM to Bauer. Sorry, CCM. Uh he said it was the lightest stick he had ever used, yeah. the the Bauer stick. And then, uh, as all good things do, it came to an end at the morning skate in Chicago when it snapped in half. It was taped as a cross yep. and given a proper memorial service. With Bette Midler. Bette Midler, Wind Beneath My Wings, playing in the background. Jordan Martinuk poured out a little bio steel. <laughs> um I think there were a few salutes. They had to, to leave the some tribute around it as well. Yes. There was some some sports beverage that was left around the uh, the, the memorial, stick. if we will, yeah. for the for the stick. Rest in pieces. And it and it did. It did. But Joel Edmondson had another one of those sticks, uh, and it seems like uh, the mojo is is continuing, and his point streak is is outliving his his stick. Well, so Chicago, that's good to see. Chicago's the home of the Blues, and he's got his mojo working. Yeah. And the Blues is a genre of music. <laughs> I love it. You're generally really fast on the trigger there. No, I, I wasn't sure if. Oh, I was going there. Yeah. Come on, buddy. Not going to leave you hanging on this. So that's, um, you know, when the Hurricanes can get contributions from guys who aren't, you know, expected to yes. contribute in that way, that's going to, to lead to good things, especially if. Um, you know, you have other guys who maybe haven't found the score sheet in a while, like Nino Niederreiter, who hadn't scored a goal since the first of the month, but had plenty of chances. And then on Tuesday night in Chicago, did what goal scorers do, what power forwards do. Takes a pass from Lucas Walmart. Great stretch pass, by the way. Plays it off his backhand to himself off the board. Yep. Scoots around the defender, forehand, backhand, back of the net. Which, if we're also going to reference Lucas Walmart. On the first goal, the Marty Natchez two on O, yeah. where Lucas Walmark does the work to dig the puck out to spring right. the Hurricanes on a two on O. Not sure what was happening with Chicago's defense there. It was just kind of I mean, they just got caught watching the play, fumbling all over each other. Yeah. I think a couple guys fell down, and then 
yeah, Marty Nachos said, you know, you don't practice two on O rushes. And they just did the standard give and go. Nino Niederreiter gave it to Nachos at the blue line. And then Nachos gave it to Niederreiter and Niederreiter tapped it right back for the one timer. Were you, whenever you watch plays like that, were you concerned it's going to be one pass too many? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, it, I don't know if it's a matter of, it's not a matter of like selfishness and, and shooting. It's just. No, it's the other side of it. Correct. It's wanting to make that perfect play. And I think the Hurricanes did make the perfect play. They got Robin Leonard moving from side to side, which is the goal of the give and go and also quick with, passes. Uh, with Ariana Grande coming to PNC Arena. Good promotion as well. Oh. I think she's got a song that says that. You got me moving side to side. Oh, I'm not familiar with her discography. Really? You're not yeah. familiar with her? Jones. Her music? No. Oh. Well, maybe her... Her... Jones. But not her specific you don't discography. Know, you don't know her. You don't know her library? You don't celebrate her, her catalog? No. Okay. All right. Sorry, Ariana. Oh. Can't even say her wow. name. Wow. Well, now you Do you are. think she listens? Gosh. For the Canes cast? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best trip, Tracy. Huge fan of the Canes cast. <laughs> I hope she is. That's why we were number one in Finland. She was downloading it while she was over there doing a concert. And all of the great Finnish people who listen. Moi to all of our Finnish listeners. Yes. Thank you. That's even, yeah. Yeah. That works for me. Those are for our Canadian listeners, too. Thank you. We um, are zany today. Yeah, it's, it's a zany one. It was one. a long road trip. We spent four days in Chicago. Yep. Running on uh, not a lot of sleep, too. No, not a lot. Which is why I need wings. I also had to get up early today because I still have to uh, make sure that I'm hitting check check marks from the, the doctors out Make there. sure everything is copacetic. Yes. Ooh, excellent word. It's a big one. It's a good one. You win word of the day. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you. You get a, a lukewarm Thank energy you. drink. Oh. That's your reward. <laughs> great. You're welcome. I'm here to help. Yes, whenever I can. Did we uh, did we discuss the Chicago game in full? I think we pretty yeah, we much did. hit it. We pretty much angles. hit all of that. I want to go back though on the road trip and hit the first two games. Mm -hmm. uh, the Buffalo game was scrambly, mm -hmm. and it seemed you know looked like the Canes were going to be in control. Should and we, Buffalo came back and it, it turned into to punch counter punch? Should we just agree to start every game against the Sabers? As a one nothing deficit for the Hurricanes with Pretty much, credited yeah. to Jeff Skinner. I think we have to do that now. Because it's it's just become a thing. Yeah. Started he's, last year and that's it. Right. He's gonna score against the Hurricanes, but then the Sabres aren't gonna win the game. No. That's I that's think a, a fair trade off. Ten games in a row, right? Ten games in a row. And that's pre Jeff. Yes. And now the longest winning streak for the Hurricanes against any NHL opponent. That's very milestone ish. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's they've they had some games like that at, in Buffalo last year too, yep. some back and forth. Oh, there craziness. was an overtime game where right. Buffalo scored late. I think Jeff Skinner scored late. He, I think he had the hat trick. Go figure. Then almost wins wins the game in overtime, and it goes back the other way. And I think Teravine scores there. Yeah. So uh, which uh, again, we can talk about great plays in overtime. You already talked about Marty Natchez, but my goodness, the overtime games that I want to get to, and, and kind of as a whole, not the Canes' best. Complete games in Buffalo, in Minnesota. But what do winning those games in overtime? Because I think that that does matter. Because not so much that the, the winning is going to propel you, you know, for the next month because, oh, when we get to overtime, we know we're going to win. But, Michael, how many years did we sit here and if a game went to overtime, you didn't want to say it, but everybody thought it, well, one point tonight for the Carolina Hurricanes. You actually did the research on it. Was it the 11-12 season? Where the Canes went to overtime, I think it was 15 times and went three and 12. Yep, filibuster a little more. Yeah, you know, I'm just no, just bringing that out there. And now, when you go to overtime, the team believes that they're going to get the extra point. They're going to play there, so yep. that's the one. But I think while the win can help the psyche, a loss in those games, like if you lose to Buffalo the way that that game played out, right? You, you lose to Minnesota after you you dominated the first period and then had that second period. You lose that game. Yeah, the loss. This might sound odd to say. The loss is more damaging than the win in overtime is positive, but you definitely want the wins. Yeah, oh, like for Jay, sure. Again, uh, Captain Obvious here. But the wins now for the Canes, where this used to be going to overtime, oh, no, it's now, okay, let's go to overtime because you have 
Dougie Hamilton, Andre Svechnikov, Sebastian Ajo, Tevo Teravainen. Right. You have overtime becomes the best players get out there Absolutely. and make plays. And you asked Rod Brindamore about is it strategy or is it just random? And he said everybody knows what they're doing, yeah. but but. It's random. It's a random. lot of it's random. And it is. That's what's going to happen in three-on-three, three, in five minutes of three-on-three three hockey. Hockey that you don't usually see in regulation. No. You have so much open ice. A chance at one end leads to a chance at another at oh. the other end. So it, well, A missed shot leads can lead to that two-on-o that right. you never see. So it's totally random, but you can combat the randomness with skill and yeah. talent. And yeah. the Hurricanes have skill and talent. They have guys who can make plays. They have playmakers. And... Rod Brindamore isn't afraid to play those playmakers either. He doesn't play conservatively in overtime. He doesn't roll out the two defensemen uh, and one forward. He doesn't check the other team's best in overtime because uh, when it comes down to it, you have a chance to win the game. You might as well throw your best players over the board. And that's who plays in overtime. That's what he says. And the Hurricanes so far are 4-1 and one this year in overtime. I think that can continue because of just how skilled the Hurricanes yeah. roster is. And the last time they had a winning record in overtime was 2008-09. They went to the playoffs that year, yeah. obviously, Eastern Conference Final. They were 7-2 and two in the playoffs. Now, it wasn't 3-on-3 three three then. or 7-2 in the seven overtime session. In overtime. Yeah. Let me take another sip of this. Hey, you at least had the math right. You just had the where wrong. 7-2 and two in overtime. Wasn't 3-on-3. Three three. It was 4-on-4. Four four. Uh, but every year since they've had losing records. You mentioned eleven, twelve. They were three and ten. Oh, three and ten in that season. You look at fifteen, sixteen. They were eight and eleven. Nineteen overtime games, and they lost eleven of them. That's the difference between a playoff team, right? And so, what what might happen? You know, as the uh, as the season goes on, you might see that record drift more to five hundred because the Hurricanes were five and five last year in overtimes, but. They've at least set themselves up with the talent they have on the roster to be successful more often than not in overtime. Yeah. And the key, when you have the three-on-three, three, when you have so much open ice, is to play your playmakers. And so you take a guy like Martin H.S. In Columbus, he makes the wrong read in the neutral zone. He thinks Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to cut the puck back to the middle of the ice, and instead Dubois sort of spins with it along the wall and takes it into the zone two-on-one. Jake Gardner dives to to try to break up the two-on-one, misses Cam Atkinson, bangs it in, game over. That's the one overtime loss the Hurricanes have had this season. But Brendan Moore, you know, knowing that Natchez is such a young player, he's a rookie in this league, he's 20 years old, goes right back to him three weeks later in the Hurricanes' next overtime game. Doesn't punish him for making that critical mistake because, as he said, you know these mistakes are going to happen. They're they're going to, you know, over the course of this learning process and their young careers, yeah. they're going to make mistakes. And it's a balancing act of accepting those mistakes and teaching them the right way to play, but also allowing them the creative freedom yeah. that makes them so skilled. And so then he goes right back to them in Buffalo with speed, busts right around the Sabres defense and finds Dougie Hamilton for the one-timer. Yeah, and that was, I think he skated eight miles to set up Dougie Hamilton for that goal. I mean, at least it felt like that when you were watching it. And he was flying, too. But you have to, and I am a huge believer in this, especially with the way that players are now today, you can't nail talented players down to the bench because they might make a mistake. You have to give talented players, and this is where Rod Brindamore excels coaching this team yeah. because he's been there in all of these situations. You have to let the talented players get back on the horse and play. You just have to say, I know that you made a mistake. You know you made a mistake, but we're going to correct it, and you're not going to make this anymore. We're, we're going to fix this. Oh, and you're going to get confidence, by the way, because I believe in you that you can do this. Right, and then they're probably going to make up for the mistake by creating a goal, just like Martin Natchez did. He, Perfect. Sure, he gives up a goal in that Columbus game. The Hurricanes leave with just a point, but then he basically helps the Hurricanes get that extra point in Buffalo by setting up Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a trade-off. Yes. And, and sometimes, look, you want everybody to be perfect, but sometimes you have to live with somebody's going to make a mistake. we got to live with the mistake for right now. And I am, in in this game, I am totally, totally fine with living with the mistakes of talented players, Michael. 
I just really am. Because yep. they're going to come back and make it up for you somewhere down the line. And that's all you can ask for out of these guys. And the Canes are, are starting to get that out of all of these players. I think it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I think it's time for... If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. I think it's been time for that. I ask the traditional, and you're going to sit there and stare at me and tell I'm me s- the answer is yes. Sit here and scroll on my computer. And yeah, try to find and that's why I'm so disappointed. Do you, do you have one? Yes. Do you have one of your own? Uh, not right now. Oh, gosh. All right. So I'll, I'll start. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and it comes in with the road record that the Canes are putting together right now. Bit of an ambitious uh, thing, but I think it's something that the Canes can definitely do with what we've seen right now. Looking at the standings, your Carolina Hurricanes, as far as being in third place. Oh, no, you're going to ask me to do some fast math. No, 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 I would never ask you to do math. I am just asking you, the Carolina Hurricanes will be five games or more above 500 on the road this year. Currently six, four, and one. Yep. So that road trip was big in getting back some uh, positive momentum on the road because yeah. the Hurricanes have been very good at home this season. Yes. that's I. They're going to have a very good home record yeah. this year. I think they won 24 games at home last season. I, that, I would even, that could be a later on. Yeah. Like you'd keep it question that they might even excel past that. But yeah, uh, we're asking them, you play 41 games on the road. I'm basically saying that the Canes are going to finish five games or better above 500, NHL 500, which means uh, that's 10 points above what you can, yeah. uh, above NHL 500, what you get 41 games. You get, I'll do the quick math for you, that's 82 points that you can get on the road. So 82, half of that's 41. They'll have 51 points on the road this year. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to send it back. Okay. I'm going to send it back. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it was in the neighborhood. Okay. You know, closely in the oh, neighborhood. Oh, I told you it's an idealistic. Yeah. If you like it, keep it. Yeah. So what do you think? They'll just be, what, about two, three games above 500 on the road this year? Which yeah. is still very good in this league because a playoff team is you are about 650 at home, above 600 at home, and you're about 500 on the road. I guess they were above 500 on the road. Five games over last year. That's why I brought that 22, to your 16, attention. and 3. That's why I brought it to your attention. Mm. Negative. Yeah, maybe I should take it. Well, you sent it back. Thought. Send it back. You sent it back. Can I Can I grab it back? and? If you it? want to. All right, it's right in the middle of the table. Grab it, take it, send it if back. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. I'm taking it. I'm taking it back. All right. Good. See, I actually do some research on my like it take it's here. I do too. Uh, yeah. It's uh, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's called it's called people on Twitter. I've got one from Paul Abney. If you like it, blah blah blah, which I don't I don't think is the the name of the segment, but anyway. <laughs> Svechnikov it's close enough. <laughs> Svech will be the Canes top scorer for the season. Well, he's a point per game player right now. He's at the top, or tied at least for the top. Yeah. I mean I don't know. What say you? I don't think there's a sophomore slump with him. So I don't think he's going to go like 15 games without a point. And the fact right now that he is on that line with Tavo Teravainen and Sebastian Ajo, if that stays together all year, because those would be the the guys I would put at one and two who would get more points than him. Uh, If he stays on that line, I think that he might get more points than him. I'll take it right now. I'll take it. I will. Here's one more from uh, Paul Abney. With Hall out, the Hurricanes will move a defenseman for a center. I'll send it back uh, because it has yeah. to. That there's too many variables right now to give that answer, and everybody likes to make trades and yeah, we're all GMs, and somebody's hurt, so we've got to make a move immediately for this. And I I don't think it's it's anything dire. I think Etu yeah. Lustrainen or Etu Lustrainen uh, has looked good. Yeah. in his four games with the Hurricanes. And Lucas Walmark has shown that he can fill roles for this team in the middle. Yes. Uh, it, does he have the offensive flair that Eric Halla has? No, but he got a couple of points last night. Might have been his best game, like yeah. standout game uh, in Chicago on Tuesday night. But he's a guy who he's not going to hurt you out there. 
where I think you're going to miss Eric Halla in the long run is the power play. Now, yeah. if this is something where the Canes come back and say this is a, a long-term injury and Eric Halla gets moved to the injured reserve list for a long time, then we can visit that. But right now, no, I don't see that happening. Yeah, and and consider, too, I think when, when Eric Halla was scoring his goals early in the season, Sebastian Ajo wasn't finding yeah. the back of the net as regularly as he is now. Um, so you have, and Nino Niederreiter, it's taken a little bit to get going. So you have guys who can make up for, for what you're missing with what Hollow provides. So I don't yeah. right now I don't uh I don't think it's time to mash the panic button right no. now with, with his injury. Thank you, Paul. Uh I will uh, take this one from Matthew Herman. Like it, keep it. Should it be a two minute minor to eat Hawaiian pizza in Chicago? I generally don't answer these. It should be a two minute minor to eat Hawaiian pizza anywhere, except for maybe Hawaii. That's a bad take. I'll live with it being a bad take. I understand the dividing line on this. There are, there are, this is, is battle lines in, as far as pizza goes. You can like it. I'm not going to be mad at you for liking it. It's just not natural. <laughs> I think it's perfectly natural. It's, it's a, a frit. It's, a, it's an option. Yeah, it's frit. A, it's a frit on a pizza. It's a genre of pizza that I just don't need. So Would you put strawberries on pizza? No, I don't think it goes together as well. Why not? I have you ever tried it? No, because I don't want to put fruit on pizza. But there are different kinds of fruit that perhaps pair well with pizza, like pineapple. Would you ever put pineapple on top of spaghetti? I don't. I might try it. <laughs> well, I'm, but I'm just saying, like that's where my mind goes with this because a pizza sauce is close to spaghetti sauce. I would never put pineapple right. on top of spaghetti. Right, right. But you pair it with the ham or the Canadian bacon, and I think those two play off each other. Yeah, if you want to make a sandwich with Canadian bacon or right. ham and pineapple, bread and cheese, uh, we're not going to do his pizza sandwich. We're not going to. No, I no, hate no. that. I'm not arguing. I that. hate I'm that just, dumb stuff. I'm just saying the ingredients are comparable. People who waste time with this, stop it. So the backstory on this is uh, on the plane home from Chicago, I'm sitting in my seat, minding my own business, and TV's Mike Maniscalco. Wait a minute, though. This is this is not. You're kind of setting this up like I'm a bad guy for this. I believe this is a friend move I actually did right here. Yeah. Uh, you said there's pineapple on pizza back there. And I shot up as if I had oh just goodness. put my buns on some hot coal. It was like I said, they are giving away $1,000 bills to somebody who comes over to that table. And you, I believe you stepped over people, like out of your seat and stepped on them I to jumped. get to the... Pineapple I pizza. Left. I've never seen you move that fast, and I see you run the stairs here at PNC. And I tend to avoid the food on the plane because it's late at night. It was like midnight last night when I consumed this pizza pie. Um, but I couldn't resist a Hawaiian slice of deep dish pizza, and it was delicious. And I hated myself afterwards. Why? Because <laughs> it was it was naughty. It was yeah. heavy yeah. and well, naughty. It was, but... But it was tasty. That's all. Yep. So are you mad at me that I told you that existed? Or would you have been even no, no, no. more I'm, angry had I not told you about it? I So that's the thing. I just thought it was like regular deep dish. I didn't know there were... Oh, there were so many kinds. There were so many options. Yeah. Um, Great I'm, job. Great job to our flight crew on that one, yeah, by the way. Really Giordano's. Well, uh, we'll give the shout out to Giordano's. We'll give the... Uh, Thank you. To everybody who made that happen. Thank you. I'm more mad at myself for uh, not having the fortitude to to say no. Well, I was going to be good, and I do have to change my diet now slightly, but I, I don't have full restrictions. Like, I haven't been told I can't eat this, I can't eat that. Um, so I can go to restaurants, and uh, I can have a steak, but I, you know, don't get the 24-ounce porterhouse, you know, get the... Vegetables? The, potatoes? No, the petite filet. Chicken and the steak? No. Okay. One or the other. <laughs> Thank you. That's what it comes down to. But uh, my thought now is especially when we're coming back from games, because we fly late, it's I'm changing my diet. I'm yes. not eating on the plane. Uh, you know, I might have some fruit. Fritz. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I might have some fruit, maybe. Yes, pineapple. Some. Pineapple I love good. just Piling some pineapple on a plate. You and you pretty much are the only person I see eating all of the pineapple on the plane. Delicious. 
by the way, Bill Berniston, this is Plain Food Talk, so you should this still be. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. Should still be hanging in here on this. So that food's there. And generally, there's some things. I had a slice of deep dish, knowing full well I shouldn't have, but I did not eat the meal before the game, so I only had lunch. Mm. Did not have time to eat before the game. I'm like, okay, I can have one slice. Where normally the moniker that I earned through the years would have had two or maybe three. There he is, the big rig. Michael Brown listening <laughs> right now is laughing hysterically. Hopefully he's listening. If not, we're going to have to. Oh, you want me to tell the story quickly again for people? Because the new Hootie album has dropped, right? And it's excellent. So Hootie and the Blowfish had a concert this summer here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Jones. At the Walnut Creek Amphitheater. <laughs> right? That's where they were at. Yep. And there was a rain delay, and a lightning storm came through. Bare naked ladies were with them, who surprisingly I saw them in their original form with Stephen Page's front man sidebar. Uh, but they opened; they were really good. Yep. So glad they, we saw that. Yeah, they just their set was shortened. Yeah, I think they the, only played like twenty five minutes where yeah. they normally would have played forty five. All right, neither here nor there. We had to go check and find out if they were letting people in to the venue so we could you know get ready and watch the show. Because strangely, nobody could access the internet yeah there was no internet access there was no communication from uh the it was like a mini fire festival thing. from yeah from the amphitheater <laughs> not not exactly to that level but no. there were people who were getting up and leaving and yeah uh, had we known it was going to be that long of a wait we would have brought more accoutrement uh to get ready for the show yeah and maybe uh like uh umbrellas yes or, or water shoes yeah bad shoes instead of the good <laughs> Shoes that I yeah. then had to immediately throw out. Oh, well. Uh, but, so, Michael Smith and I uh, were talking about this, but Mike Brown, who is also one of the media relations directors for the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, I think I gave him a little bit more of a, a bump to his title. I think so, yeah. But he deserves it. Does a lot of work behind the scenes. Yeah. Not calling out anybody. Just oh. saying. He does a lot of work behind the scenes. He does. Thank you. So, Michael Brown and I, because Michael Smith had just gotten there with his wife. <laughs> Um, so my wife was also there. Yeah. Uh, a few were like, all right, we'll go check and see if they're opening the doors. We're walking back. As we walk back, a gentleman who was slightly inebriated looks at me. And I'm walking with Michael Brown. We're talking, and he stops in his tracks, and he goes, I, I feel I have my water bottle for this. Mm. There he is, the big rig. <laughs> And he said it, like, wistfully but forcefully. To himself. And yeah, to, there, he was not with anybody else. He just stopped and said that to me and Michael Brown. And Michael Brown proceeded to laugh for the next 15 yeah. minutes straight. I love it. Like, could not stop laughing. Hopefully that gentleman listens to, uh, listens to the podcast. I too. do, too. I would like to thank him for that because that has created endless, endless hours of enjoyment for yeah. people who've heard the story. He can come in and record it as a drop, too. <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> All right. I don't know. It's pretty good to hear Michael Brown do it. So let's get to. Uh, oh, this is where we say goodbye to Bill Berniston. Yeah. See you, Bill. Bye, Bill. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Here's where we get to John Owen's question. Uh, Coach Owen one on Twitter. Finally, thank you, John. It's been a while um, since he sent this to us, but we wanted to properly have time to answer it, and we're already pushing an hour a little bit. But here we go, John Owen. Just read the ESPN NHL survey. If you haven't read it, go read it. It's uh, it's pretty good. Surveyed, like, I think 50 players around the league just for varying opinions on cities and arenas yeah. and uh, stuff in the game. It's a, it's a good read. One. Oh, here comes the sound check, yeah. too. Best city to visit on a road trip. And see, it, for right. me, this is tough because there's so many things that go into it to make it a good city. And part of that relates to our job. But I think we have to simplify it and just say best city. For a road trip? Yes. Montreal. I love Vegas, but I can go to I can go to Vegas and not go to a hockey game. If you go to Montreal, going to a hockey game is part of the experience. So for our trip, for what we do, for the time that we spend in the city, Montreal is just a, a great city. Uh, for me, this is tough. Like, because I could, I could say I have a top five, and they're all number one in my my books. Yeah, Montreal, Vegas, certainly. I think if you don't know by now, I truly like Las Vegas, Chicago, where we just were. Uh, I am not one of these people that complain about having three, three and a half, four days in Chicago. I love that city. 
Uh, it is outstanding. I know you love New York. I love going yeah. to New York for what we do because there is on the when we have an off day, so much to do, and yeah. there's a lot of, of fun to get to. And more importantly, you can do your job, and you're in a historic when we're with the the Rangers uh, in town for those games. We're going to Madison Square Garden, and then you can point to a few other cities that are really, really good to go to, like a, just as far as as things to do. But Tampa is a pretty good city for us to go to, depending on the venue where mm, we're staying. Bit so. of a wild card there. But Nashville is actually in front of Tampa. Yeah, I was gonna say. So those are my yeah. five. And then there's Los Angeles is good if you stay yes. at the beach, like Santa Monica. Yes. If you're in the city, it's I'm, it's fine. Right now, I might not be having any part of a California swing on my <laughs> on my list. Sit that one out next just, year, just, <laughs> just in case. Not gonna sit it out. <laughs> I, I'm hoping to go back. Do well. Yeah. But um. So my top five, Tampa is just on the outside of it, and just Tampa depends on where we stay. Kind of what you were saying with L.A., but Montreal, and and I'll say Montreal one because people are going to want a one from us. So Montreal edges out everybody, but then you could really throw in a hat and pick Vegas, Nashville, Chicago, and I'd throw Vancouver in there too. Oh, yeah, Vancouver is a really really good city. Yeah, I mean you notice a trend here in there. New York. I mean, so those are the four. I might actually, you could probably oh talk my me into gracious. good reflexes. Uh, nobody knew that the microphone was falling until you well, just the, said, oh, my gracious. The video portion of the podcast saw oh, that happen. Right. Forget about the video yeah. portion. Um, you could almost convince me to throw out New York and put in Vancouver in the top five. Yeah. Or I, my one A through yeah. E. So you see there are a lot of good cities. Yes. And I generally agree with, with that assessment. Two, best hospitality and accommodations for visiting team and staff. So this is where we get into a little more of, of what we do. Yes. Oh, man. There are a lot of places that – because Michael and I have different experiences because Michael is up in the press box. I am uh, in the bowels of the arena, yeah. usually running around. Staples Center is really good. Yeah, for in Los Angeles for yeah, what for I what do, do. Staples Center is outstanding. Uh, the people are great to work with. I, I mean, for me, the people are great to work with in a lot of places. Uh, the, for me, the people at uh, what Capital One Arena, which has had fifty thousand different names, where Washington plays, the people that I work with in Washington are phenomenal. Uh, they're the, my stage manager there. Her name is Lori. Uh, she is great, uh, and and Sean, who makes sure that I can hear everything. Is awesome. Everybody there is great. Uh, that's actually a pretty decent arena, other than they put me kind of like in prison because I've got to go to like a camera well, and they actually have to physically lift up the gate and then you know, kind oh. of stuck in there. Yeah. Um, the gauntlet. Yeah. So the you know the the walking the back and forth is is tough, but uh, for me, Staples Center is probably the the best venue. Edmonton's very good too. The new yeah the Rogers new rink there place is outstanding. The new rink in Detroit is amazing. Yeah, and uh, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas is great. The staff there are unbelievable. Yes, the arena staff. The first time we were there, and yeah, consider it. You know, it's the first time every team's there, but they were superbly helpful and uh, you know directing us to yeah. where we needed to be. Yeah, and again, you could probably it'd be easier to go the other way. The places where right. it's not. Yeah. Uh, then the, the even, places that are the best. And even that everybody, for what I do, everybody is so incredibly helpful. Yeah. Uh, every place is great. Like at Chicago, United Center is tough because the, the venue, if you're in there, you kind of figure out they built it more for basketball because at the time, you know, the Bulls were great with Michael Jordan. Right. And, you know, the, the hockey team wasn't so great. So they built it in mind with, you know, how TV would be best suited for the NBA. So there's not a lot of spaces to really do what I do. But the folks there are amazing. If you need something, they're there to help you. So uh, there's there's a lot of, you know, again, every place is kind of a cop-out answer, Michael, but every place is really good in its own way. This one uh, we'll have to go through quick. Uh, best eats uh, in each divisional city, which I guess Ooh. he means like best – uh, city for food in each division. All right, let's go. So Metro up first. I would probably go New York. New York. Yeah, just because there are so many options. Philly is a really close second. I would probably put Columbus ahead of Philly. Sneaky. sneaky Columbus is good sneaky good, city. but Philly is a really good food city. There's lots of places. Lots of places that, you know, we kind of go into, first off, just for the Reading Terminal in Philly. Just saying. Yeah. But uh, that kind of gives it an edge for me. All right, moving on. Atlantic Division. 
Montreal. Yeah. Montreal is such I mean, a good food city. Obviously, Buffalo has the wings. Buffalo, and again, Buffalo is a sneaky good food city. They have more than just wings, but if you go there, you get the wings. But um, Edge goes to Montreal. Yeah, probably. And when I say Edge, Montreal's got tremendous food everywhere. Western Conference. Central Division. This is where it gets really tough. I'm going to say Chicago. Okay. Yeah, that probably – I mean, Dallas is good. Dallas is very good. Nashville's good. Nashville has unbelievable restaurants, but Chicago. Yep. Just because of the variety that you can get That's in Chicago. True. It's like New York. And then Pacific. I mean, uh, Vegas has got a good variety, too. Vancouver's got great food. Yes. Good good seafood, too, if you're a seafood fan. Um, There's LA, in, too. In Vegas. Vegas almost doesn't count because it's set up, you know, like it. It's yeah. set up to be that that great, sort of like Nashville too. I mean, the the default the default in the Pacific is Vegas, like that's the default yep. that you go to Vegas for all of those things. So if we exclude Vegas for the best food city in the Pacific Division, I'm going to say Vancouver. Yeah, that's you fair. know what's in Vancouver? Meat and bread. Yep. And last question from John Owen: Best city for a day off on a road trip? We just had one in Chicago, and that was yeah, excellent. That was glorious. New York is great. New York. It's but, again all the all the really good cities are good to have a day off in. All right. If you could give me Montreal in warmer weather. Yeah. Like in the summer. But I'm gonna go Vegas. Yeah. Because I if you have a day off in Vegas, pick what you want to do. Right. I think um and I think it depends on, on what you like doing. I can see Vegas. I would say Vancouver. Just because there's so much to do. Whether you want to hang out in the city, you can. You can go to Whistler. You can go to the, mountains. To the water. Yep. You can go to the mountains. There's a lot to do. And then there's Nashville. Oh, yeah, that's I mean, true, too. Nashville, you just go. Just listen to music all yeah, day. You go to the Honky Tonks. You find a, a band that you like playing, and you just enjoy the day. Or you move to four or five of them. So. Or, or if you're in Anaheim, you go to the beach. Yeah. Or if you're in Sunrise... You go to the beach. Or if you're in San Jose, you go to the hospital. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I did that wrong, didn't I? But we didn't have a day off. There. I, I did just... that wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm i a beach guy, so anywhere I can find a beach, I'm good with. I'm a city guy, so I like things where I can go you know, kind of explore new things that uh, if you want to go down the line. I, I know that people in hockey, when they say they like going to museums or things like that, they kind of get whatever, but I like seeing historical sites buildings uh, if i can walk around and not necessarily sightsee but see something you know like the empire state building if you've never seen it it's cool yeah so thank you walk around yeah thank Thank you you, sorry it took us so long to get there hopefully that it was well worth the wait one more question before we get out of here oh sure this one from uh, jared shaffet um which thanksgiving side would you be most willing to give up This might not be a popular decision, but, and I love mashed potatoes, but if I can have stuffing, I'll give up mashed potatoes because I can have mashed potatoes when I want. Stuffing seems to be only with turkey. Yeah. Yeah. That one's a fine. I I could live without the potatoes. Because, I mean, now we can start getting into the, like. Right. The which, which is a side. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's, it's green bean casserole one, which I do like. I do like that as well. Um, I like me a casserole. Oh, I love me a casserole. But if, I mean, I think we're saying mashed potatoes are a traditional Thanksgiving side. Yeah. I'll take the neon I've, mashed potatoes so I can have stuffing. Yeah. I'll go double stuffing. Yeah. Anything else on that one? No. Okay. We have actually a lot of good questions that I, I kind of wish we could get to. Like Cardiac Canes asked us, did I miss this week's Canes cast? To which, no, if you listened to the end of last week's, we told you we were going to do this on Wednesday. Yeah. I, you know, I thought about putting out a tweet on Monday, too, saying, heads up, no Canes cast yet. That's okay. But I didn't get around to I, it. I do want to get one more, just quickly. Hi. This is from uh, Pollock86. Okay. Come the All-Star game, if the Canes only have one representative, it will not be who I guess most of us all assumed it would be at the start of the season. Then parentheses, a certain number 20. But it will, in fact, be a blue liner who shares his name with a friendly pig. This now has a two-pronged answer because I could definitely see Dougie Hamilton making the All-Star game. Absolutely. But I can see a 19-year-old Russian player making the All-Star game as well. Yep. 
a lot can still happen between now and All-Star Game selection. We've still got another, I would say, two, or excuse me, month and a half until uh, All-Star rosters are, are fully decided. But, yeah, if you ask right now, it's between Svechnikov and, and Hamilton. I would have to agree. Yeah. Not to say Ajo can't work oh, his no. way into Ajo that conversation. Ajo can definitely make the push for it. Um, and he, he's certainly trying. He's got 10 goals. Kind of quietly, I think, has 10 goals now. Um, but, yeah, right now I think if you ask, uh, it's pr- it's probably Svechnikov or, or Hamilton, either of which I think would be uh, would be choice. a lot of fun Yeah, in St. Louis. Yes, and I hear they appreciate you more there. They do. So, Thank you. Yep, as far as road cities go. Yes. That's it. That's a good episode 112. I thought so. I think we've covered everything. I We tried. We left no genres un, unturned. Oh, there go the lights. I think we're about to have some action. Just in time for those tasty licks. The tasty licks and the genres of musical Christmas, Christmas. music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's kind of a limited genres. Yeah. So, so we're set. That, yeah. uh, that, uh, Twitter video, if you haven't seen it, by the way, just search Alex Trebek genres. And you'll find it. It's an amazing supercut of of him saying that word, and it's amazing. Yeah, the word genre, which is what I would say, but genres. We all love Alex. I Trebek. do. Yeah. He is a treme- first off, a tremendous hockey fan. Yeah, uh, he uh, is one of the best hosts you would ever find. And uh, our thoughts are with him, with what he is battling through. And yeah, uh, yeah it is tremendous. So. You want to see something where it'll make you smile watching Alex Trebek? Uh, just Google Alex Trebek. Genres. And uh, it is, as Michael said, an amazing super cut. Yeah. Yep, it was uh, It was pretty zany, as predicted. Yeah, you called it right out of the box. It was a zany one. Almost lost the microphone. <laughs> you, drank a, you drank a lukewarm energy drink. Yep. And, uh, and we, I lived to tell about it. We said goodbye to Bill Berniston at least three times on this thing. Long time ago. Exactly. He is checked out. I cannot wait for the for the text the or the tweet. Text, oh, yeah. he already sent me an angry tweet about that's, this before we even recorded it. That's true. He need, he's, he needs to relax. Oh, I just relax, Bill. Look, it's okay. It's you. You can branch out. He should know this as far as exercise goes. Yeah, you want to uh, you want to mix up a routine every now and again, right? Just you saying, right? Yeah, you don't want to focus too much on one muscle. You want to spread the love. That's what I would think. That's what we're doing. We're spreading the love. People want to know what we love on the road. We try to tell you. Which, by the way, how many good meals did we have in Chicago? <sighs> too many. Yeah, I, I I had a salad today for lunch. I needed it desperately. I had a I had just a, like a rice bowl for lunch today. <sighs> yeah, good. Yeah. I need I need to be on a strict salad diet for the foreseeable future until we go to New York next week. Yeah. <laughs> for the next four to five yeah. days. <laughs> All right. Oh, well. For the webs, Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. We will talk to you Monday, right, as the schedule will tell us. I will look right now because yeah, I believe we weren't so. really prepared for this, but we'll do oh. it anyway. <laughs> Uh, we will talk to you next Monday. Yes, yes, that's exactly how this will work on out. Monday, we'll have three games to dissect: two at home against Philadelphia this Thursday, Florida on Saturday, and then a quick turnaround in Detroit on Sunday. Yes, so we will have those games to talk about on Monday on the next episode of the Canes Cast. So one more time for the Webs, Michael Smith and TV's Mike Meniscalco. We will talk to you next Monday. Moi moi. Thank you.